Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It is Sunday, August 8th. Happy birthday, Don Port. I'm Scott Pianowski, one of your rotating hosts on our fine programs. We're coming to you five times a week during the teeth of fantasy football season. So it was Thunderclap Newman who said, call out the instigators because there's something in the air. And that's, that song was in my head today as we welcome a really fantastic guest. I just want one of my favorite people in the fantasy industry, a man who does not lack for knowledge, for stats, for takes. The one, the only Matt Kelly. Aloha. I'm a take machine. That's true. Guilty as charged, my friend. <laughs> well, let's let's get into it. You know, Matt on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion, you know, his fine work at Roto Underworld and the, the player profile website is, is excellent. It's got all sorts of data you can't find anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll give Matt a chance to pitch it at the end of the show, but I'll, I'll pitch it right now. It's, it's a site that I rely on and, and put a lot of stock in and just have a lot of fun with player comps. And every once in a while, a player doesn't have a photo, but he's got an image for his um, for his likeness. So there's just all sorts of good stuff over at that website. I hope you check it out. Today, we'll hit on a couple of hot news items, and then we're going to get some mistakes that fantasy managers make. And I'm sure Matt's noticed some things that we're getting wrong as analysts or as managers. And then we'll get a bunch of his player takes, players he's high on, players he doesn't want you to draft. We'll get some views on stacking, all the stuff we can cram the next 50 minutes or so. Let's get into it, Matt. A couple of things from summer camp. Darren Waller's missed four consecutive Raider practices at last check. We, we know he's one of the robust tight ends if you like that strategy. You Have you changed your stance on Waller? Would this make you less interested in him? How do you handle injuries in the summer in general? Just go anywhere you want with this. It, it just depends on the injury. It depends on the, the nature of the injury, the type of player. So, for example, if it's a rookie like Dwayne Eskridge, He's already what, 24 years old, so he's already a geriatric rookie, if there was one. And now he has like the, he's getting a custom orthotic like my grandfather for his shoe. That's terrible, right? You don't want a 160-pound rookie like Devontae Smith already missing time with a sprained MCL. Not good. Like, not good. If you're a proven producer, and Darren Waller was the number two tight end in fantasy last year. He was the guy you needed if you didn't have Kelsey. Well, those guys deserve some benefit of the doubt. And you might think, oh, this is, this is more management of reps than it is something to be concerned about. I'm not even sure what the exact injury is with Waller. Right, we're not sure. I love, I love that take that where you, how established you are and what we already know about you as a player comes into 
how we evaluate this stuff. I always think back to, to spring training and baseball. And when a established pitcher is getting hammered in the spring, I'm just like, well, he's working on something. He's getting into shape. You know, he doesn't care. Maybe he hasn't thrown his breaking stuff yet. But if uh, somebody's trying to make the team isn't playing well, you know, uh, getting hammered in spring training might actually mean he starts the season in AAA. Again, it's a matter of how much we know about the player and how much equity they've already built up with us in fantasy. Let me ask you about Irv Smith. Into his third season, one of the several, you know, Alabama skill talent the last few years has just been unbelievable. It looks like a pretty narrow passing tree in Minnesota. And it sounds like early reports. And again, there's a lot of fluff in the summer and some of it, you just get to tune out. It, you need to, I always say you need a really good BS detector. And I know you have a really sharp one to be a good fantasy manager. Excellent. Uh, yeah. But Smith's been, Smith has been getting some good pub for whatever that means. Does that mean sure. anything to Matt Kelly? Not so much. Not so much with the move tight ends. We see this every camp. The move tight ends generate buzz. Why is that? Because they're able to run free in camp and dominate defensive backs at 240 pounds. That just makes sense. It makes sense to me that Irv Smith would have a great camp. If I had to pick a tight end that would be flashing in camp, Irv Smith would be top of the list. The problem is I don't do so much investing in the non-inline tight end, whoever that's going to be. The, the tight end is going to be split out wide and he's going to be in the slot. That sounds exciting at first, you know, at first. And then it's like, well, what happens in the red zone when tight ends need to score touchdowns to really help you win your matchup? Well, those guys get pulled off the field. And last year it was Herb Smith and we were playing some Herb Smith in DFS, if you remember, and a funny thing happened. This guy, Tyler Conklin, was playing in line. He was in there in the heavier packages, and he was actually getting more targets. Like, week in, week out, it's like I look up and, oh, uh, Tyler Conklin's getting six targets. Irv Smith got four targets. What happened? What happened? And it turns out, uh, Tyler Conklin, go to player profiler. You see, oh, this guy's 255 pounds, but he also has great bursts and agility. He's also athletic. He actually looks the part. Fifth-round pick, Central Michigan, age 26, Tyler Conklin actually looks like the types of breakout tight ends that we like to see once they get into their 20s, as opposed to the Irv Smiths where, okay, maybe if something happens with Adam Thielen and the slot really opens up there in Minnesota, but they also have Amir Smith-Marset they drafted in the fifth round who is super dynamic and a player that we like a lot at player profiler, actually. I thought it was a great value, special teams contribution. He has the clear path to number three duties. So I wouldn't just write off Amir Smith-Marset as an afterthought. I wouldn't write off Tyler Conklin. The one thing that Irv Smith could really benefit from is missed time from Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson has the sprained AC joint, yet another injury, but he is, again, more established than some of these rookies. But if he slow plays the preseason and he's just not 100% to start the season, well, you have to put him down a notch in your rankings because he only has one year of production. So again, if it's Darren Waller, and this guy has this resume of multiple seasons of tight end one production, then continue to post him up ahead of George Kittle. But younger players or players that we're just not exactly sure how the targets will be distributed, well, you want to you know, tick them down a little bit my other problem with Irv Smith and why I can't draft him is he has the exact same. I mean, we're talking about the on underdog it, and I'm not sure exactly what it is on, on, at Yahoo, but I think it's probably similar. His ADP, Irv Smith, 
strikingly similar to Adam Troutman. And I'm just in on Adam Troutman. Like some of these late round tight ends in certain zones of your draft, you just have to pick a player, pick your favorite guy. And Adam Troutman would be like the combination of what you get with Conklin in terms of he's a great blocker. He's going to be on the field for 90 plus percent of the snaps, but he's also fantastic as a receiver. And he proved in, in both categories. He was one of the top graded blocking tight ends last year. And he had one of the highest catch rates among tight ends as a rookie. So I love Adam Troutman more than Smith in dynasty in seasonal leagues and at that particular ADP around round 12, I had just happened to zero in on Troutman and I'm not going to let the buzz about Smith move me off a guy that I am super, con- you know, have a lot of conviction in. It's interesting. I'm looking at the Yahoo ADPs for tight end right now, and there is a huge congestion of tight ends in yes. the 121 to 140 range. Smith is at 121. Troutman is at 132, and there's like 11 guys between them. It seems like everybody's deciding to draft a tight end in their pocket, you know, whether it's you know they're looking for an upside guy or you're looking for depth of position, whatever it may be. So it's interesting. Now place- Adam Troutman on Yahoo, mm-hmm. and that's where everyone's playing now that you have seasonal leagues are ramping up. So I think Yahoo is probably the best ADP to go on because I think it's the, the most popular platform. And so if you can get Adam Troutman around later, well, that's probably the way to go. Man, you get to like catch it 15 out of 16 targets. And man, with the receiver room that looks pretty ordinary with Michael Thomas out of the mix. I mean, I right, right. Yeah, I'll I mean, give you an Adam, Adam Troutman season. is basically, I think, an, uh, a similar receiver in terms of skill set to uh, Irv Smith, but he's a much better blocker. He's going to be in the game in more situations, especially near the goal line, and there's less target competition, and they might have to throw more in New Orleans. I think that Minnesota, you look at what they did in the draft, they really wanted to get back to the, you know, Mike Zimmer. You look at who the head coach is, look who the leadership is some some of these teams. Cleveland, Minnesota, they want to run the ball. And I think that all their moves, getting offensive line, help, and defense, like it was just offensive line and defense the entire draft, right? So they're trying to get back to their identity from 2019. They think, I think it just got away from them, Minnesota, last year. The game started to get away from them. And that's how you saw Kirk Cousins ramp up the pass volume. So I think the pass volume is going to come down a little bit this year. And so those are the forces that are working against Nerve Smith. Whereas all the forces are working in Adam Troutman's favor. You know, it had to drive Mike Zimmer crazy to have like the 27th ranked defense or something like that. And I yeah, totally they, agree they with you. Fi- they, I mean, they want to get- thankfully, he yeah. has like one of, if not the best general manager in Rick Spielman. I mean, they haven't won a Super Bowl, so Rick Spielman's not going to get that kind of credit as a general manager. But I mean, I was doing an NF- a live NFL draft show, and Minnesota was putting on a clinic just taking best player available at impact positions in every round. I agree with you, Spielman, definitely underrated. And as you said, if you, if you don't get, if you don't go deep in the playoffs, it's, it's a lot of times that stuff gets lost in the shuffle. That's how we build legacies in the NFL. You get the Super Bowl, you get to win rings. And then once you do that, you know, you become somebody nobody can ever question. You become a made man because we're talking about tight ends before we transition to the main part of our show. I think one of the most polarizing players in fantasies this year is Kyle Pitts. There are some people who are like, Hey, 
rookie tight end. I'm, that's that's not a business I like to get into. Other people right. are like, well, no, no, he's going to be your wide receiver. He's, he's really a unicorn. Where do you come down on the Kyle Pitts debate? Hard avoid. Just a hard avoid. If I can't get Waller. See, Waller's in this very unique situation where he's the number one receiver on a team that has a bad defense, right? So if you look across the league, who do we like that, that fits that classification? Oh, uh, uh, we like Calvin Ridley, right? <laughs> he's creeping into the first round, justifiably so. So bad defense, high volume, number one receiver. We like that guy. So for that reason, a green light to draft Waller right after Kelsey and, and go for that competitive advantage, that leverage at the tight end position but after that, I'm just waiting. And you can wait and wait and wait and wait and wait on these tight ends because every round that goes by, you let, you let pits get by you, no worries. And another round later, you have another top 10 tight end with more experience and already has 100 targets on his resume in a particular season, and that's TJ Hawkinson. I think TJ Hawkinson's teed up for a better season than Kyle Pitts. That wide receiver room is even more cleared out in Detroit than it is in Atlanta. So there's going to be plenty of targets funneled to the center of the field at TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift as well. So I love Swift. After that, you have another tight end that is poised to be top five this year in Dallas Goddard in the situation he's going to find himself in, in Philadelphia, where you have a defense that is degraded and you have a a team that's going to be facing a lot of garbage time with a, a mobile quarterback that has locked into Dallas Goddard previously in Jalen Hurts. So those would be my guys. I'm not, there's just the, the opportunity cost on the players you can get when Kyle Pitts is going off the board. They're just too good. T Higgins. I mean, come on, man. I'm not going to pass on T Higgins for Kyle Pitts. What are we doing? Right? Look at the first round tight ends the last 20 years. I mean, it's Brandon Pettigrew. It's Kellen Winslow. It's like a who's who of players to avoid. Remember all the Eric Ebron was the number 10 pick, right? Remember him? He was supposed to be great. What happened? What happened? All these guys, what happened? I know that Kyle Pitts is as good, if not better than all those guys, but just draft Noah Fant. If you want a guy that's just super athlete, exciting playmaker at the position, you can get a guy with more experience in Noah Fant rounds later. I guess we'll, we'll clean up. Um, I, I do have a bunch of your your fades and, and players to target. We'll clean up the tight end position with um, the guys that you said you'd be under market on in the email you sent to me. Um, you had Pitts on that list. You also had George Kittle and Mark Andrews on this list. So let's just quickly touch on why you're avoiding Kittle and Andrews. Well, Kittle is going to be in a run first, maybe the highest volume running game with the, the highest run to pass ratio in the league you know that that's what they want to do. This is a, a team that, like Minnesota, their their identity revolves around running the ball and playing defense. And especially if they're going to turn the ball over at some point to Trey Lance, it's going to become even more run-focused. It's going to be an RPO scheme. And an RPO scheme with a mobile quarterback, the hallmark of that scheme is lower pass volume, higher run volume. Who else? Who else? Oh, who else is that? Who's another quarterback that runs RPO sounds like Lamar Jackson close to, me, right? to the bottom of the league in pass attempts <laughs> remind me again Scott yeah Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson who's his tight end again uh Mark Andrews oh Mark Andrews right so 
it, when you have a passing game that's such low pass volume, where again, the Ravens are, you had the two Harbaugh's at one point, remember, in the Super Bowl, mm. Baltimore and San Francisco. Sure. And I really think of these two teams as being these sister franchises in opposing conferences. And they've been that for many years. And, and there's this mimicry between them where the, the, demo, the, the defenses are similar, the offensive lines are similar. Now they have a, a quarterback that rushed for 1,000 yards in college in Trey Lance. So it's, it's, it's very similar, right? They, Baltimore got their Brandon Ayuk in Rashad Bateman. So if you're going to add Bateman, and we're gonna, and they're gonna add Sammy Watkins, and he's flashing in preseason, and we're excited about what this that Lamar Jackson could have this Josh Allen like resurgence as the team has built around his strengths this year. If that's all true, then there there can't be number one option Mark Andrews any longer. The case for Mark Andrews last year was that he was gonna be like Waller; he was gonna be the number one option. And then that guy can really give you leverage at the position. But then the volume was so low, they passed the ball so infrequently that Andrews couldn't get there. He couldn't even get to 13 fantasy points a game. And now you've added Bateman, who I think is going to give Jamar Chase a run for his money as the best rookie wide receiver this season. I think it's just going to be a volume discrepancy where because they're going to throw so much in Cincinnati, it's going to overwhelm whatever Bateman's going to going to do versus Chase but the law of the conservation of targets suggests that if you you can't be excited about Rashad Bateman this year and then also putting Mark Andrews right back where you had him last year something has to give the words of Matt Kelly our guest today from player profiler Roto Underworld and uh, again one of my favorite people in the industry Matt I think we're really playing fantasy wrong if we don't learn from our mistakes. And I was curious to get your take on when you look around, whether it be mistakes that analysts make, mistakes that fantasy managers make, let's let's try to help some people out. Give me an example of a mistake that you think we're commonly making in the fantasy football space when we try to build our rosters. What's the most popular league configuration on Yahoo? Is it 12-team leagues? I believe so. 12-team leagues, right? So 12 teams, that's less than a 10% chance. If all the managers are created equal, you have less than a 10% chance of winning your league. So why would you ever bet against yourself? And why would you not tend to go all in? A lot of poker players, their, their cardinal weakness is a lack of aggressiveness in key situations where they just decide, okay, I'm going to hedge or I'm going to fold here or they should have they bet more right? To get more people out of the pot. And you see this with fantasy gamers. And most mistakes stem from this place, this place of caution. And I'm not saying don't factor risk in. Of course, there's certain certain players in particular that are too risky. There's certain strategies that are too risky, okay? But you see too many, way too many. And I get emails all the time because uh, you know I have a I have a whole patron community and I answer their questions and you can feel it you can feel the hesitancy you can feel the fear of taking on too much risk and this this desire to hedge and it's pervasive and it hurts us it hurts us as fantasy gamers when we do this 
So it's the handcuffing. It's if you draft Dalvin Cook, you're betting on Dalvin Cook. So there's no, I mean, the last running back you should be considering in a draft after you draft Dalvin Cook is Alexander Madison. You're all in on Cook. If Cook flames out and he gets injured, then it's okay. You're probably not going to win. All right. If your first round running back goes down, like if you had McCaffrey last year, even if you got Mike Davis, you probably didn't win. Right. Because you didn't have McCaffrey. <laughs> it's all you mean. Come on, man. You were better off trying to get a, a breakout uh, somewhere else. Right. A Justin Jefferson would have been, you've been better off with that. So too many fantasy gamers are hedging. So just stop handcuffing. Stop it. I love Ezekiel Elliott this year. I love this Cowboys offense. If Dak is healthy, which that's concerning. I mean, Dak is now going to a baseball specialist. I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate what's happening right now in Dallas and in Cincinnati that Burrow doesn't have any time to throw. They're off, they could have the worst offensive line in the sport. That's terrible. Another mistake that fantasy gamers make is they don't factor in offensive line enough. I love T. Higgins, but I just want to be careful about pushing up these Bengals receivers too much just based on we know they're going to get big volume there because the defense isn't good. And in neutral game script situations, they were throwing a lot. So you, you know there's a tendency for Zach Taylor in Cincinnati to throw. You could just push your chips all in on the Bengals. I can't do that because they have one of, if not the worst offensive lines in the sport. And nothing works when your offensive line is crumbling. You saw that with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. When you lose your tackles, you can't do anything. Even if you're Patrick Mahomes, like the whole world collapses around you. That's the worry with Burrow. Why the Bengals didn't draft Penny Sewell. Just take the layup. Why they try to do a fadeaway three and go wide receiver over a tackle. I have no idea. And now the, the Dolphins are looking for tackle help. They're trying to trade for a tackle. It's like, you had a tackle. He was right there. What were you doing? I have no idea what these, I, I'm supposed to be the fantasy. We're fantasy gamers. We're the guys that are supposed to be like, you should go with receiver there. You should be drafting guys that are going to give us points. And I'm sitting here going, uh, hey, football guys, uh, do you want to get a tackle? That's kind of the no-brainer right move here. So the appreciation of the offensive line is just not where it should be. There should be more pieces written on all platforms about offensive lines and how they affect production because it's huge. It's a huge, it's a huge impact factor. And when you talk about chasing upside, so sure, that would be the area where I wouldn't want to push my chips in too aggressively on a team with the worst offensive line. Their risk really matters, right? But let's say I have decided that I'm, I, I love a particular offense, right? I, I love the Seattle Seahawks this year. I love, I love them, right? So my goal is to not just get Lockett, and I'll move up to the late third round to get Lockett if I have to. I don't have to, thankfully. can get him in the fourth round, but he's that good. Right. I love him. So I want to get Lockett. And then, yes, I'm going to be targeting Russell Wilson. I'm not trying to hedge. I'm not going to try to go another quarterback just to make sure I'm spreading out my risk. No. Let's say that I am facing one of these cheat code league winning running backs and they come out every year almost. Right. One year is Camara. The next year it's McCaffrey. The year before that was was Gurley. And you got to think through, well, what are the ways I can actually beat teams that have that running back? Because I might not get that running back. The way you can win against those teams is to have a QB wide receiver stack that's absolutely dynamite. Last year, it was Mahomes and Hill 
if you didn't have Mahomes and Hill, you wanted Allen and Diggs. And Diggs happened to go in the sixth round. Allen was going in like the 10th round. So that was the best value stack out there. But that's one of the ways that you can actually exponentially increase your points on a weekly basis is to get the quarterback and the wide receiver. And then you're doubling up the touchdowns when they get scored. You're doubling up the yards by getting both players. And I would even take it a step further where if I have Wilson and I have Lockett, heck, I also want Gerald Everett. That's going to be my, as much as I love Troutman, if I'm sitting there, I see, oh, I have Wilson, I have Lockett. If Seattle's defense continues its downward trend and the signals they've been giving off, oh, they're replacing their offensive coordinator, they're bringing in Dwayne Eskridge, they're investing in the passing game, it looks like Seattle may crank up the volume this year and let Russ cook for all 17 games. If you just place that bet and it pays off, you probably win your league if you stacked all these Seattle Seahawks. And that includes even Carson. So Carson, if Eskridge is out, for example, he's going to soak up some more targets. And Carson has 50 catches in a season already. So he's one of my favorite values in the fourth round where he, he checks those workhorse boxes that you would typically see in the first round but you can get a guy that what could be one of the top offenses in the fourth round. Yes, please. And again, that's what more fantasy gamers should be doing. Analyzing the landscape, seeing the teams that they think will exceed expectation and putting their chips on those squares and letting it ride. Great words of wisdom from Matt Kelly. Could not agree more on the idea of, again, you draft Alvin Cook. You don't want Alexander Madison. If, if Cook gets hurt, that's going to be a death blow to you. You want to play for upside. You know, I always feel like getting the understudy back is like bunting in baseball, okay? We're, we're playing a course field, leadoff single. Let's bunt that guy to second. No, no, no. You're trying to Thank play you. for a big inning. Yeah. And now uh, if, I ha- if I didn't get Elliot, I, yeah, I want Pollard because that's part of the upside equation, right? Sure. Take other people's backups. Yeah, I want other people's handcuff. I want to be that guy, that the, the guy with, 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 with Elliot who's still playing, you know, fantasy football like it was played 10 years ago, where you're trying to handcuff everybody. He's mad at me. I want, he should be mad at me. And then we could do a trade after the draft. If he really wants Pollard, we'll see how much he really wants because Pollard, if that, da- I mean, this is all predicated on Dak's health. And I, I just hate, I hate that. Yeah. We don't know this, this Dak, this is, this is the injury that is, is, is most maddening to me because I was, I was all about these Cowboys because they, they were poised and are poised. Okay. They're not, I don't want to, I almost said it in the past tense. Dak, please, just please, Dak. They could lead the league in pass attempts and, and break records, break passing records in Dallas because they were going to do it last we year. Love? They were going to do it last defense, year. Hurt. Right. Bad defense, an efficient and prolific quarterback play with one of, if not the best, wide receiver cores we've ever seen. And you drop a running back into that passing game like Tony Pollard, put him in the slot. He can move around. He can actually have some standalone value. But if Elliot somehow breaks his foot, whatever it is, oh, baby. Oh, baby. When I said this on TikTok, because we have a TikTok account, Underworld FM, you know, in the comments, be like, you're crazy. What are you on? This is madness. And I said, no, 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 no. There's no one behind Pollard other than Rico Doddle, okay? If Elliot is unavailable, 
week in, week out. And we saw it last, last year. Pollard had one start, right? And he was the number one running back that week. Like, it's not like we haven't seen this, right? Pollard is a top three potential running back in fantasy week in, week out with no Elliott. So you're not going to find anyone in the ninth round of a fantasy draft that's going to give you anything close to that in terms of upside. So while I don't handcuff my existing backs, I, I will pay up for some of these more expensive handcuffs if the situation is just right. It has to be just perfect. The situation in Minnesota is, is not that. The situation in Dallas it is that. Yeah, a lot of times the problem with that understudy back is we don't know. And we probably do know in Minnesota and Dallas, but in some situations we don't even know who the backup is or the right. team doesn't know what they'll do if the starter goes down. So that's yeah, the they, problem. The handcuff tactic is just so fraught, yeah. right? You're going you're gonna to handcuff Austin Eckler with Joshua Kelly? No, because who, they, he the could right be guy? splitting touches with Larry Roundtree. He might even get caught. Sure. Now, I will say this. If there's one time I will be open-minded to this idea, it's later in the season – when maybe you have such a juggernaut and you have a roster spot to play with. Again, let's go back to the bunting example. Bunting is always wrong in the first inning of a baseball game. It may be right in the ninth inning when you know one run wins the game. Now we have a very specific objective we're trying to hit. In the early part of the season, I want you to play for a big inning. Later, when things get more narrow, when we know exactly what we need, I might be more open-minded to it. That's a great point. If I have Elliott, I don't have Pollard, and I'm eight and two, and the trade deadline is about to expire, I'm incentivized to go get Pollard. It's almost impossible for me to overpay for Pollard in that particular situation. Because you've already, you've already put yourself in position. You know, yeah. the, whole idea, the whole idea is you know, build a great team. Get as many difference makers as you can. When you've gone eight and two, you've already done that. Now we can actually add a little insurance. It might make sense. Now you talked about offensive line and how important that is. And, and maybe we don't always give that the credence it should. We know there was an offensive line injury uh, with Nelson in Indianapolis to go with yep. Carson Wentz. What a, what a yep. month they've had. And yep. we we've seen Najee Harris was drafted to the Steelers. You talked about Minnesota wanting to get back to basics. I think the Steelers do too, but that offensive line still looks rotten to me. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris who still are commanding pretty significant draft capital? I don't have any of them. I, I don't, and, and it's for those reasons. It's just for those reasons. I, you, you don't want to fade the 300-touch the running back, usually, like Najee Harris. But as soon as he started leaking into the second round, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to have to really decide between super ultra-alpha receivers and Najee Harris. And then at that point, I'm out, right? I'm not, I'm not going to draft that guy. I'm worried about Pittsburgh. I think that Pittsburgh could very easily finish last in this division. I think that Mike Tomlin would be just such an incredible hire if he somehow gets fired because of what happened, because Pittsburgh miscalculated their window when they can be competitive. And instead of blowing it up, they decided to go. I mean, this Najee Harris draft pick, talk about the mistake that Jalen Waddle was for Miami. Oh, my. Like taking a running back in the first round when you have all these holes on the offensive line, that was just an egregious blunder. And the word out of Pittsburgh is this was not the general manager, that this was an ownership decision, that it was dictated from on high, that they that they essentially doomed their franchise with this pick. Okay, I guess. 
maybe just butt out and let people do the right thing. But even in Miami, the football people are, are supposedly smart and, and they're going waddle over Sewell. So you, you, you never know how and why these mistakes get made by NFL teams. So it's very difficult to draft any Steelers. I can't imagine drafting a Steeler. The only Steeler I could even consider is Deontay Johnson because from team to team, even when the offense implodes, the number one receiver is protected because let's say they, they get down double digits. Well, they're, they're gonna, he's going to enjoy lots of targets and garbage time, right? Even when they're trying to sustain drives in a game that where they were being competitive, well, he's going to get his, right? We saw this. The best example of this was DeAndre Hopkins a few years ago when Deshaun Watson tears his ACL in week eight. Tom Savage comes in, and DeAndre Hopkins' fantasy points were steady the entire season. Didn't move. The volume shifted. The efficiency collapsed. The volume went up because the backup quarterback is now funneling even more targets to the alpha receiver. So somehow, some way, the number one option in the passing game, and Deontay Johnson looking at the target share, is the number one option in Pittsburgh. That's just a fact. It's what it is. You might you know, object to his efficiency, his low depth of target, his drops. Okay, but he's, he's getting targets. Okay, he's number one in the pecking order there. So he's more protected. Everyone else is going to get dragged down when the offense can't sustain drives and there's just an overall lack of efficiency. And that's my worry also with Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor. I was drafting Jonathan Taylor like it was a habit that I couldn't break last year in the third round because that's when you wanted Jonathan Taylor. You wanted Jonathan Taylor in the third round last year when he has one of the great checkdown quarterbacks of all time in Phillip Rivers as his quarterback and now no Marlon Mack last year. Marlon Mack's back. Naheem Hines is back. But Carson Wentz isn't back. And Quentin Nelson isn't back. And the problem with these offensive line injuries and why they're so devastating is it's not a one-for-one injury. It's not like, oh, there's a hole there and we're going to be less effective at guard. That's not how it works. Everyone has to shift over. And everyone's job gets harder. So the whole line is degraded by this one injury, which is why, again, I would go back to this. You wanted to draft Penny Sewell in the top 10 last year. It doesn't matter who you are, what your needs were. And the Chargers, on the other hand, got an incredible gift with Rashawn Slater in the teens. He should have gone in the top 10. Rashawn Slater falling out of the top 10 was just a crime. It was like the year prior with Tristan Wirfs. Remember Tristan Wirfs goes to the Buccaneers? And it was just unfair. It was like, how is Tom Brady running this pure, right? Well, I know how the Raiders went rugs when they should have gone worse. And they gifted Tom Brady the final piece he needed for a Super Bowl, which was a left tackle. So now you're gifting that to Justin Herbert. They add an all-pro center in free agency. They get Rashawn Slater. The Chargers are going to be dangerous. So for all the reasons why... I'm out on Jonathan Taylor. And another mistake the fantasy gamers make is they don't adjust fast enough. You need to be nimble and adjust aggressively when all this new information comes in. Jonathan Taylor collapsed in our rankings. Me too. So the velocity with which we move players when these seismic events shake their projection is something that I feel 
proud of that that this is something uh, like a code we've cracked that you just got you got to move fast with a guy like Jonathan Taylor you can't oh well maybe in the late second he's a value he was going in the late first no 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 don't do that whereas Eckler has always been a value all off season and he's going to continue to be right up until kickoff in week one. You know, sometimes people will get on you and they'll say you, you'll come up with a rank or an opinion that will contradict something you said earlier. And, and there's always a smart counter to that. When there's new information, I make a new evaluation. You know, I felt I was proactive on Jonathan Taylor. I was in on Jonathan Taylor Loved a few weeks ago when he had a quarterback, when he had a star offensive lineman, when those guys were hail. I was open-minded to Taylor. Now there's new information. I have to react to it. And I agree. Yeah. I think it's a mistake if you don't significantly uh, uh, you know, apply the new information to what we do with them. Think about Jonathan Taylor, right? In the third round, he was in the third round last year. And he had the backfield to himself on early downs. And he had Phillip Rivers and Quentin Nelson. Now he's going in the second round. And he has none of that plus Marlon Mack. It doesn't make any sense. I want to clean up a couple things from Pittsburgh. You mentioned Roethlisberger. I, I just want to make, or the offense. I don't know if you mentioned Roethlisberger by name. I want to have it out there that I don't think Roethlisberger is on the back nine of his career. I think he's on the 18th hole and he's like putting out. I mean, I think this is it. I, I don't think there's much left in that in that arm and he needs to be protected in the offensive line. I'm not sure they'll be able to do it. It's a pending disaster. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if like I always think about what if I ran a team right i would never or what if what if i was what, what if i was in an ownership group last thing i would ever do is like we must have Najee harris you must draft him that's an edict right but what we would do is start putting out feelers now for mike tomlin because i think he's one of the best coaches ever i think he's amazing i love him so much his players respect him so much he's so honest and even the media respect him at a level where he's just not disingenuous and he doesn't talk down to people like Jason Garrett recently. He insisted that they call him coach. He's like, uh, don't call me Jason. I'm coach. You know, and it's just like, who, who are you? You're a football coach. It's sports. Shut up. Right. That's what, Tomlin, you're wor- that's what you're worried about. People calling you by your first name. Yeah, that's what you're focused up. on. Shut up. You stunk in Dallas. You've got the bare minimum wins in Dallas. Shut up. Mike Tomlin's like, call me Mike. Like, that's just, there's just something about the gravitas of a Mike Tomlin where I want him coaching my team. And if if they're going to blow this team up by accident in Pittsburgh, which is what I think is happening, mm-hmm. then if you're rebuilding and you think that you, you, you really need uh, that that st- stable figure at the top, I would be just lobbying now. I would be st- opening a channel of communication with her, with his agent now because yeah, share it's, that. It's, it's the thing is going to go down, man. Pittsburgh's going down. A few years ago, maybe it was last year on the Breakfast Table podcast, which is a show I do with myself, Fina, and we were talking about which NFL head coach seemed presidential to us, and we, we thought Tomlin was that guy. Just oh yeah, we're he's he can appeal to you intellectually he can appear appeal to you emotionally most coaches are one or the other either they're they're going to try to sell you on their x's and o's are better than everybody else's or they're going to try to get you to run through a wall tomlin can do both of them he's also one of the few coaches in the nfl that when he talks about the injury status of his players you can actually take him at his word most coaches are just lying to you or trying to tell you nothing tomlin will yeah. give you a straight answer 
So you can actually put stock into what he says. I want to clean up something on Deontay Johnson really quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. You mentioned the drops with him. I think one mistake fantasy managers make is caring about drops. I care about opportunity. I care about targets. And I'd like to know what player was talented who dropped his way out of a role. Cause I can't think of anybody. I, it, no. We'll figure that out. Like I look at Jerry Judy, for example, I'm excited and I know they have quarterback issues there and that's a problem. There's a crowding issue in Denver as well, but I'm excited that Jerry Judy can get open and he's twitchy. I don't care that he dropped a lot of passes last year. To me, it's important that he gets opportunity and that he can beat the guy off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And his game aligns better with Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. than Cortland Sutton's game does. Cortland Sutton was put in a number of, of, of spectacular playmaking situations by Drew Locke because some of the, the passes were so erratic. But at least he was pushing the ball downfield. Teddy Bridgewater's not going to do that as much. We should just ask Robbie Anderson, right? Robbie Anderson was a deep threat, right? And then he's suddenly he's running all these little shallow routes. I love this. If it can, if it can be Bridgewater, this could be great for Judy. The thing with Judy that I think isn't great is this is another one of those teams that has a run-first, defense-first identity. So I don't see the target volume coming to him. He wasn't even top 20 in targets as their number one last year for most of the season. And I don't see it happening this year because they continue to improve the defense. I mean, they've done all these things by accident in Denver where you know that this isn't like an enlightened franchise. They don't focus on the right details. They went and drafted a running back in the early second round. And it's just right there. It's like, okay, you guys don't get it, right? So still, they've found ways of signing the right offensive linemen in free agency, getting great value on some of these offensive linemen in the draft recently. And then they add this running back, Javante Williams, in the early second round to go with Melvin Gordon, it's like you you really want to run the ball. You really want to play defense. And you're not investing in the quarterback position tells me that you're not that interested in, in, in throwing the ball. So that would be my concern. I think Jerry Judy is one of those, and I don't want to be a hedger as an analyst if I'm telling fantasy gamers not to hedge in their drafts. But really, Judy is a guy that I'm aggressively targeting in Dynasty. And I'm just more in wait-and-see mode this year in seasonal leagues. Right, Dynasty, you could wait until they fix the quarterback situation. Let me ask you, are you going to Well, they're going to. They're going to. I mean, if there is a team that you know, other than Pittsburgh, is going to have a new quarterback next year, it's Denver. They are definitely going to fix the quarterback position this next offseason. So just project that ahead one year for Judy in Dynasty and, and, and go get him. Or maybe draft him next year in seasonal. Uh, are you going to draft oh, yeah. either either Denver running back? Do you like either one of them in 2021? Yeah, Javante Williams has upside, right? I mean, this is what we're trying to we're, we're trying to hit on, on guys. If you want to put together just an an elite wide receiver core, you can have you can have you can have it all. Like you can have a you can draft wide receiver. You can go Calvin Ridley in the Second round, you could go Allen Robinson in the third round. You can go Tyler Lockett in the fourth round. You could even go T. Higgins in the fifth round. 
Not that you would need to go five. It just depends on how many receivers you start. I do not want to draft the cardinal sin of, of some of these zero RB zealots as they're drafting bench receivers before starting running backs. And there again, you're betting against yourself. Why are you betting against your own receivers making your lineup? <laughs> Why would you do that? So just stop betting against yourself, regardless of the tactic, regardless of, 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 your, of your state of mind. Stop doing it. Yeah, you so say the beauty betting. is the beauty is you go running back in the first round, and then you can wait. You can wait, and and if you you start three receivers, you can get three awesome receivers or three awesome receivers and a flex. Like I said, if you want to go like a a Higgins or an Ayuk, and then you can come back, and there is no RB dead zone this year. The RB dead zone in previous years was this round four to round ten zone where all the Mark Ingram's go. Like a graveyard, running back graveyard, and and the bust rate on running backs like fifty percent, historically understood. But this ain't history. This is now. This is today, where we're coming off these multiple years where the NFL draft was just stockpiled with talent. You realize what we had last year? In Edward Solaire was the the fifth best running back, and he went in the first round. Think about that. Swift and Dobbins and Taylor and Acres. Bless his heart. So we had running backs the year prior, the year prior, the year prior. Like there, there's been such an influx of talent at running back. The running back renaissance includes this year, right? It, two first rounders. We have Travis Etienne. So you get Travis Etienne in that zone. You can get Miles Sanders now leaking into that zone. And he has an all-purpose skill set with the opportunity share, 80 plus percent opportunity share last year. And he's heavily involved in the passing game. You have all these run. Look at Chase Edmonds. He's going to be as involved in the passing game in Arizona as Eckler is going to be in Los Angeles. Don't you? Don't you? What? That doesn't look like a dead zone running back. Yes, there is a few dead zone looking running backs. Mike Davis is a dead zone looking running back, and that's another mistake that that you see made, where you see rankings just sorting based on projection. Well, Mike Davis's projection is so high because there's no way that you can even think of a way to funnel carries and touches to anyone else. So he's just going to get all the carries and all the, the, the RB touches when someone's sitting down to run projections. But that offense is not where you want to be. And he's 28 years old. So it's just not a player that's going to deliver you the upside. Like that, that is the rake. He is the rake in the draft, right? So you don't want that guy. You don't want Raheem Mostert, right? Raheem Mostert's a fun player, but he's a slasher. He's not going to give you workhorse level production. You're not going to get that. So why even draft a guy? If a guy's not going to give me workhorse level production at any point, then I'm not interested, right? I want a guy like Zach Moss. Zach Moss is going late, 10th round. And he doesn't look like a a dead zone running back to me at all. He he looks like a, a, a... the starter primary back in one of the most prolific offenses in the league. Yeah, I like that. That's what I, that's what you want. Sure. You're going to stay away from the quintessential dead zone backs that can't catch passes Ronald Jones, dead zone, Raheem Mostert, old slasher, dead zone, Mike Davis, dead zone. Okay. Yes. You can be deliberate and, you know, discerning about, who you draft in those rounds, as you should be. But if ETN slips to the seventh round 
because there's concerns about James Robinson. Yeah. That, did you not watch Clemson? What? Yeah, you want that guy. That guy, you want Javante Williams, right? You realize all these things that could happen to Melvin Gordon, not just an injury, but he could just get outplayed. He could get traded. He could get cut. Think about Leonard Fournette last year. So you need to get out ahead on guys like Javante Williams to shoot for that upside and be the best team out of 12. Clean up a couple of things in that segment. I, I love you You advise people to not bet against themselves. I think w- when you get four or five rounds into your draft, I want you to proceed like you've made the right picks. Like those yeah. guys are going to be great. And don't be like, how do I ensure this? How do I, you play for the single. Assume those picks are right and build your team accordingly. I also want to give Matt credit for when Zero RB came in, and people tried to talk about the idea of maybe you want to get that one really good running back. I, I tried to say that I called that anchors away or getting the anchor running back. But you came up with, I think, the best. I think it was you who did this. You actually called that hero RB oh, as opposed to zero, zero. RB. I think, I think we rise finally cracked zero, the right Scott. name. That's that's the right name for it. Get, I, that's my favorite way to draft. I don't go in with any hard strategy as far as I have to do this in the first round. I have to do this in the second round. But I know this. If I could find a running back workhorse I like in the first round, I'm probably going to hitch my wagon to that guy, and then I'm going to load up the other positions, and I'll come circle back to running back. So yeah, Anchors Away didn't really catch on. I am all aboard Hero RB. Hero RB, baby. Yeah, and, and this is a fun – because we've had this influx of talent, not just at running back, but also wide receiver and quarterback, I remember the nice thing about you and I is that, you know, we have plenty of years in this business. We remember 2012, 2013 – There were some lean years of the NFL draft, 2015 lean, right? Where every wide receiver busted Kevin White, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett, Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell. Now we're treated to Justin Jefferson, who was the most prolific rookie wide receiver ever. We're treated to Jonathan Taylor. We're treated to J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift. It's just a great time to be alive. And it actually allows you more flexibility in drafts and the ability just to go a little bit more value conscious and balanced than previously where you probably wanted to structure your draft a little bit more to to work around a lot of these weak spots. But there's just so much talent now in the first even like 10 rounds of drafts. It's just fun. It's just a it's just, go have fun. We have just a couple of minutes left. I don't know if this is even possible, but I'm going to try a speed round with Matt Kelly. I need really short answers, like a tweet. Okay. Ooh. Why are you fading Chris Godwin? Mm, yeah. The volume's not there. He didn't get the air yards or the target share last year. And those are the two most predictive metrics for wide receivers air yards and target share. If you're getting neither, then I'm out. Do you think the common manager understands the importance of stacking the seasonal, or is it just uh, something you do in a in DFS or a big contest? Is, is stacking important in a managed league? Stacking became popular in DFS. Then people in best ball figured out, oh, it works here. This year, the work we've done at Player Profiler, a number of articles have come out and a deep analysis showing it, it's also incredibly valuable in seasonal leagues. And I, I gave that example where if you're going to go up against a Dalvin Cook in your league, someone has Cook and Kelsey, you better have, you know, Allen and Diggs. Stacking is the way to max out your upside in any given week. And 
finish with a better record and proceed through the playoffs, it's, it's I would say, as valuable in seasonal leagues and, 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 and st- you know, standard managed leagues as it is best ball and DFS, which is counterintuitive, but it, it's a fact. Why are you out on Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is facing a headwind on multiple fronts. Historically, no one's ever had multiple 2,000-yard seasons. He doesn't catch passes. And Darrington Evans, who does catch passes, is now healthy. And the defense is collapsing. So all the reasons you would want to bet on Tannehill and Brown and Julio Jones are the reasons you would bet against Derrick Henry. Give me a word on the Rams offense. Uh, It's going to be fireworks in the sky, man. You want those guys, Cooper Cup, best value in the middle rounds at wide receiver. Is there anybody in the Patriots you could draft? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Hunter Henry is the great forgotten tight end. Hunter Henry was once upon a time viewed as a top five tight end in the league. Now he's arguably the number one receiver there. Come on, man. Who wins the Super Bowl this year? Oh, wow. Ah, Ooh, I don't have an easy take there, except I do. Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. Is, is oh, there anybody yeah. in that picture? They have all the pieces in place. On that team? They have I all the pieces in place. I know you're not in on Chubb, so you, you get you I can't OBJ get in on Chubb for the same reasons I can't get in on Derrick Henry. The defense is going to be one of the best defense. They're just stocked. When you go player by player down the board, you could argue that Cleveland has the deepest talent-rich team in the NFL. And the the team that might actually get in their way isn't even Kansas City in that in that division. It's Baltimore. Baltimore is similar, but my problem with Baltimore is they are addicted to running Lamar Jackson and they're going to get him hurt. They need to knock it off. They need to knock it off with these design runs. All these teams, Buffalo, Baltimore, knock it off. Arizona, Arizona. knock it off with the design runs. You're going to get your quarterbacks hurt. They can run enough when the pocket breaks down and the play breaks down. You don't need to run Lamar Jackson up the middle, Greg Roman. Fantasy gamers are happy about it, but if you're a Ravens fan, you should be hating that. The beauty is in Cleveland, they have the balance across the board. They have all the positions, right? They have multiple tight ends. They have multiple wide receivers. They have multiple running backs because every year there's unknown injuries wipe out teams, Right there were there were years where the Patriots were favored to win the Super Bowl and their entire offensive line was wiped out and they they couldn't get past the the Ravens in the playoffs like that's happened to teams knowing that there's going to be injuries you love to see all this depth in Cleveland and with another game added to the schedule it becomes even more of this game of attrition and I think we're going to look up. You know, 10 weeks from now or into the season and you're going to see Cleveland near the top of the standings and they're just going to be a machine. They finally got the coach right too and they have a loaded, we talked about offensive line play. Man, do they have a great offensive line. We've been lucky to have Matt Kelly today as our guest on the Yahoo Fantasy Football well, Forecast. One, one more thing I'll say. Sure. In the AFC West, the Chargers, they're yeah. going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a run team. and be careful. Be careful. The Chiefs are a betting favorite in every matchup this year. When you look at, you know, week one through week 18 on the schedule, the Chiefs are favored in every game. They should not be favored at the Chargers. 
the Chargers are going to give them a run in that division. I'm surprised because, the Chargers aren't favored in that game. And I think Chargers is a, if, if you want to put a prop on them, winning the division, winning the conference, yeah. winning the Super Bowl. All, all the props on the Chargers. That, yeah. That's it. Because I mean, we talked about the offensive. The if, right if, if you want to actually take some, take a principle that we've talked about today on the show and then apply it to go out and make money, mm-hmm. I would place chips on the Chargers in all different kinds of creative ways. Because like the Browns, at every level on both sides of the ball, they are talented and deep now. Maybe they got the coach right. I mean, I think Anthony Lynn's a heck of a guy, but I don't think he was the right person to run that Chargers franchise. Again, the words, the wisdom of Matt Kelly. Matt, tell our listeners how they can keep up with you and what you're working on. Yeah, so I'm I'm on Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Mansion, TikTok, Underworld FM, and all the other places, at Roto Underworld. You can find us. Playerprofiler.com is the website. And uh, we have essentially revolutionized the whole notion of player data and putting all the critical pieces that you're looking for on a player, whether it be their injury history, whether it be their workout metrics at the combine, whether it be their efficiency stats on the field. We put it all in one place and it's, uh, it's both fun to use and super informative. And we have a podcast too. Uh, Roto Underworld Radio, but it's all there on the website. Check it out. It's a great site. You also do something that I think should be the industry standard. This is a small thing. This is not why you should subscribe because there's so many other better features. But when you look at a player's game log, like see you look at Jalen Hurts' game log, you'll have, okay, he scored 19 points this week and he was quarterback 12. And I think right. every site should do that. I want to know, a raw point total doesn't tell me anything. Tell me how he ranked that week. And then you can see, oh, okay, he's been a top 10 quarterback in four out of five starts or whatever it is. I hate well, every single free- metric we have a rank because yes, that's everything what should matters. be ranked. If you, you don't want know, to provide context if you don't know the ranking, you don't know what the metric means. Yeah. You have to know what it means. What's the league <laughs> average? Where does this rank? Yes. That's the game, right? Yes. Man, we could, I could easily talk multiple hours, but uh, I'm sure producer John is like, wrap it up, Scott. So we're going to wrap, wrap it up, up Scott. Again, Matt Kelly has been our guest today. We were lucky to have him. Man, did we get a lot of fun and goodness into the show. And if you're into podcasts, we get a bunch of them at Yahoo. I want you to check out the Post It Up with Chris Haynes podcast, which is an NBA podcast. He's joined by Yahoo's Vincent Goodwill this week to do a deep dive into what's going on in the first 48 hours of free agency. The NBA never sleeps. Like the NFL, it's a 12-month season. So uh, check out Post It Up with Chris Haynes. If you want to get social with us, Scott underscore Pianowski is how you can catch me. We mentioned Fantasy underscore Mansion. If you want to hang out with Matt Kelly, Yahoo Fantasy is the handle. For Matt, for Scott, for producer John, Andy Barons will be back tomorrow with another great episode. Go draft on Yahoo. Go do some stacking. We'll talk to you soon.